Come be a part of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board with Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right now. Once again, that is the sound of rock cracking. You've got Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right here on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. Glad to have you. Wow, we got a lot lined up for today's show. We've got Dr. Dan M.D., and he's going to fill us in on some of the updates of the coronavirus and what's going on on the medical side, the research side of this. So we're going to be asking him some questions, drdanmd.com. You can check him out. A nationally known doctor will be joining us in just a few minutes. Also, we have uh, on the second half of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the opportunity that the far left is now seeing with the a new Green New Deal. AOC is talking about, uh, well, we're going to play a clip. You won't believe what she said, and she's taking her... Uh, tweet down since then but it you won't believe we got that um, from the sean hannity show we'll play a clip and let you hear what aoc herself said last week about what's going on and about uh americans working again now before we get into today's show i want to play a clip 50 years ago last week was when apollo 13 there was a, a almost a tragedy and it it was a failure of a Apollo trip to the moon, Apollo 13, but it was a victory in that all three astronauts lived, survived, and a few years back, we did a, a exclusive radio interview with Fred Hayes, one of the three astronauts that survived Apollo 13. Let's, uh, let me play that l- a little clip. You can go back in the archives. That's why we love Web Talk Radio you can go back in the archives and listen to past Doc Holliday shows. But take a listen to this from the archives of one of the astronauts on Apollo 13 talking to Doc Holliday. Well, I mean, the, I guess the most pronounced that people could recognize uh, was the, uh, the development of the computer industry. Uh, most people don't remember how small they were at that time. Our big, our big computer on board was hand-wired. And it was about one-tenth of a megabyte. <laughs> one-tenth of a megabyte. Right, one-tenth of a megabyte. If you have an eight-gig flash drive, that's 80,000 times more memory than we had on board. Mm. Uh, similarly, mission control was really the problem. A lot of money NASA spent in, the, in, in helping development, particularly with IBM, on the, the first large uh, mainframes. Because mm-hmm. uh, mission control needed those to do trajectory analysis, get us back and forth to the moon uh, properly and accurately, and also for rendezvous. It took a lot of computing power to uh, compute those uh, trajectories or paths. And that was the voice of Fred Hayes, former Apollo 13 astronaut, 
and we had a great show with him and you can go back in the archives and listen to that show and learned a lot and it was one thing he shared with us that nobody's ever heard except for people listening to doc holiday's rock splitting politics go back and see if you can figure out what that is and let's go in today's show we got dr dan it's dr dan o'brien and uh, he is a futurist uh, uh, md that looks to the future looks to what's going on and he he knows has a pulse of what's going on around this coronavirus the covid19 and so we're going to get him on the line and talk to him. And don't forget, on the second half of the show, we will be talking some about what AOC and the far left and the even the moderate left, the all left, the Democrats, what opportunities they see in this time of American, American need and a need for unity. Are they want to unify us? We'll, we'll play a clip from AOC and see what you think. But right now, we got Dr. Dan, M.D., and let's get him on the phone here and let's see if we can learn about some things concerning augmented reality and the future of medicine along with the COVID-19 cures, vaccines. We're going to get him, get him to get us up to date. So here's Dr. Dan, MD. Dr. Dan, thank you for coming on Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. We're glad to have you this morning. And uh, right off the bat, I want to ask you a question uh, with this coronavirus and, and the lockdown and shelter in place that we're in, what can give us hope? Great, great question. And I think right now the hope, and I'm a very optimistic person, is we've made you know, some great advances, I think, particularly in, in diagnostic testing, you know, and including other healthcare technologies like telemedicine. I think with our diagnostic tests, we're getting closer to a, a more accurate, precise, reliable uh, test to make sure that we keep people safe. Now, we know there are many companies working on these different kind of tests for the COVID-19 virus to detect it. Uh, you can look on Wall Street where there's quite a few public companies, and have actually many of them have really gone up in value. And I guess the question is, are we going to see a lot of companies with different uh, competing tests? Or are we going to have one company that comes out and has the best kit? What, what do you see with the companies right now that are trying to find uh, a good, solid, reliable, quick test? I think in the future, you know, particularly cases like this, I think there'll be four or five companies that will, that will enter and then usually kind of like a, almost looking at a pharmaceutical drug, usually one or two kind of makes it through. So I think right now kind of all hands on deck for, you know, all these various companies. And, and I think right now everyone realizes it's such a hot topic right now in, in research and and I think these companies are really working hard to, to try to come up with, with the best solution. But um, right now, it's too early to say who's going to win out. Um, but I'm sure if somebody wins out, then there'll be you know additional competition for people to actually maybe improve upon that particular assay moving forward. And as far as the testing goes, one, one of the things that uh, is how important it is, if you're going to go to work, you're going to go to a factory, you're going to work for other folks, you want to feel safe. So is there something that's happening with quick test? Uh, I saw where to get the finger prick and blood sample to see if you had antibodies uh, that you've been exposed. But how about, I mean, is there a swab that you can use that you can turn around within five minutes, or, or do you still have to wait a few hours to get information on that? 
Yes, according to the literature right now, there's actually a test which is known as a point-of-care test where you actually can get results within about 15 or 20 minutes. So there's actually some exciting development in regards to that test as people can find out, you know, as people are very fearful, right, whether or not they have it or right. not. So right now the, the literature is still early. Uh, there has been some literature in regards to home-based uh, type of test to almost like a pregnancy test, right, where you can walk into your local grocery store and get a pregnancy test and kind of look at that color metric um, analysis to see if someone is pregnant or not. And so I think we're going to get to the point where it's going to be the same thing with COVID-19 testing. It's going to be part of our routine screening. Well, do you, is that COVID-19 screening, like home screening, do you recommend that? Do you think that's going to be available very soon? I'm very optimistic, you know, looking at the future. I think what's so important here is just compliance and making sure people are following directions, you know, at home, kind of with the swab to be able to get the best results. What you want to do or what you want to try to avoid is false positives or false negatives. That's why it's just so important to have such an accurate and precise diagnostic tool to avoid those kind of biostatistical, you know, false negatives and false positives that you hear about. And you really want a high negative predictive value. And what negative predictive value is, it, it's able to rule out a disease. You want to be able to rule out whether or not you have COVID-19 or not. Dr. Dan, that brings us up to the all-important, what uh, I know a lot of companies are working on. Can you fill us in a little bit more about a vaccine? Uh, and we're told 12 months to 18 months, and, and yet we see some, even a, a couple of companies we know have started human testing, they've said. So, Share some uh, light on the subject of vaccines, where we are, and what we can expect. Right. What's interesting in regards to the vaccine, to your point, right, usually it takes about 12 to 18 months. And hopefully what we can do is be able to fast track that to get there much sooner. So I'm very optimistic. You know, with the research and the medical institutions we have in this country, they are top notch. And we're going to have a vaccine, you know, very quickly. We've seen a lot in the news in regards to hydroxychloroquine, which has historically been used for malaria as well as now kind of an interesting correlation that people are finding with high-altitude sickness and how that correlates to similar symptoms of COVID-19 as people are actually dying of acute respiratory syndrome even more so than, than uh, pneumonia. So azetozolamide is the medication used to treat mountain sickness, high-altitude mountain sickness. So there's, there's a lot of interesting correlations that I think as we go through the data, it's going to be very fascinating. You know, we have years and years of data on the flu, even since the birth of modern medicine. But with COVID-19, we only have a few months data. So I think it's going to be interesting as we look forward. And, and you're talking about that uh, you, we just have a few months data. Are you, are, do you feel like we have got a good database that's feeding these? We got information all over the country in different spots. But is there a central location where all that information is being fed, like the CDC, or are they being able to accumulate all this information and and start and be able to research and get us some answers? Exactly. So you got the CDC, you got the NIH, which is very involved. And one of the, the top medical institutions, you know, Johns Hopkins, um, they're very involved in research here. So we are certainly in good hands with those three um, to, to start with. And I think as we accumulate more data, that's going to help us make more informed decisions in the future. And I know from uh, the doctor's point of view, from science point of view, as far as the big question is, when do we open up? I know we can't turn it on like a switch. Every state's different. Every geographical geographical part of a state is also different. So what are your thoughts on 
getting back to where we were knowing we won't go back to what it was exactly with face mask and everything but give us a picture of what it what you believe it looks like trying to get america back to work yes i mean right now you know with this unprecedented time I mean, this is kind of the, the new normal so i think looking at geographical data kind of to your point right as we look at the geographies of where these hot spots have been and maybe starting to open up in states that maybe are not particular hotbeds of COVID-19. So I think that's where looking at the data and looking at patterns, too. you got to be able to look at patterns and trends when looking at data. And I think that will help the governors of each state dictate, you know, what point do we open up? And I think some states may be faster or slower than others. But um, I'm very optimistic in the near future that um, things will hopefully get closer back to normal than, um, than anticipated. Well, uh, Dr. Dan, I know now you you have a website and is there a place if people won't know about more about you and some of the things that uh you're talking about is there do you have a website or anything that they can go to yes my website is drdanmd.com and you can follow me on twitter as that's now up and running at drdanmd1 Wow, you got you you got that's easy to remember <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep it simple well, Dr. Dan, one of the things I've noticed, I mean, you, you look at the future and the future of medicine. Now, tell me what augmented reality, What does, how can that help medicine? Right. Well, that really ties in nicely to AI, which is artificial intelligence. So how we look at kind of augmenting the data is going to be crucial. You had asked a question earlier about, you know, as far as are we collecting all this data? And I think mm-hmm. through the augmentation of organizing data, through potentially the use of AI and machine learning, it's going to make it very simple um, for clinicians to be able to make more informed decisions. And also looking at the risk as we look to the future of maybe another um, pandemic or another wave of, of COVID. So it's just, it, it enables you to really gather the data in a much more efficient manner um, without, you know, avoiding a lot of mistakes. And I know we just got a couple minutes left, but I, I wanted to ask you about precision medicine we hear people talking about precision medicine and i know that's a whole topic in itself but can you give us a little nutshell of how close precision medicine is and what importance it is to the future you know it's so crucial because we want to make sure we have a very accurate diagnosis and that's a really nice treatment plan you know for our patients you know, there, there's so much right now that you know, a clinician has to be able to look at i mean imagine like a big spaceship You've got a lot of different systems working, and right now right. clinicians are working with a lot of different systems. So with more precision medicine, with, with even greater technology looking at AI, they're able to make, physicians are able to make much more precise decisions, and that's how that's kind of led to more precision medicine, which really comes up with a more accurate diagnosis and thus a better treatment plan for the patient. Uh, Dr. Dan, what, one of the things that I know when society goes out now, and and they say wear face mask out in public. Uh, you, you know the the things that we are hearing sometimes they'll change. And but how should somebody feel safe if they go to a grocery store or or go to a, a Walmart or, or Target or somewhere and out shopping? Uh, the gloves help. Uh, the mask help. What what do you what do you see us in the, doing in the next few weeks? Yes, I would say over the next couple of weeks. Still fighting, you know, still following some of the guidelines of the CDC, you know, with particularly masks. If you're, you know, around crowded areas or around sick people, 
Um, those measures are certainly important at this point, especially as we're seeing, you know, possibly numbers decline. I think we need to wait another 14 days um, to see, right? Because we know that incubation period is around that 14-day time point, and that's such a crucial time. So I think we're going to learn more every 14 days, and I think it's just so crucial still to be on guard as you're outside, as you're going into grocery stores with wearing protective uh, masks. And then uh, the, we hear, and I know the president talked about it, and uh, about sunlight and uh, the summer months and humidity. I know this is a new virus that wasn't around. We didn't know anything about it six months ago. So I know that's ongoing research, but do you see evidence that, or anything in statistics that show us that maybe the the humidity and warmer weather will, will make this better for us? Right. According to a scientific, you know, journal and according to, you know, things I've read in the literature that are very accurate, you know, there's, there's still things that are not quite adding up in regards to the weather. There are theories out there in regards to that, but the data is still very new in regards to what warmer weather, you know, killed us. And notoriously, we have seen patterns of that with other other things, you know, flus and colds in the, in the past. But, you know, right now it's just too early to tell as far as the literature. But I think it's going to look a lot different in the next 45 days, kind of like what we saw the past 45 days, how much things have changed. And as we gather more data and we analyze that data in an appropriate way, it's going to be crucial to know whether or not weather will, will it make a difference or not. Well, Dr. Dan, you've been so informative, and I think you've helped our listeners uh, very much. And uh, what would you uh, – I'll give you sort of last word. What what can you give us to look forward to? What what do we need to do as far as uh, helping America by, you know, by following the orders of staying in when we need to, get out only when we need to? But what can we do as American citizens to help get through this? Right. Great question. I think right now just continue to do what we're doing, right? Social distancing has proven to be worked, um, be, be proven to, to be uh, working out. And I think that it's just so crucial to continue to stay proactive with your health, get re- uh, reliable information from the CDC and other sources like that. So um, I'm really proud of this of this country and the way people have come together, the way healthcare workers have, have come to, together. Absolutely. And I think to be optimistic, it's going to be even more better when we, we come back as far as people becoming more healthier as they're going to be much more aware of their health and even their, their vaccine schedule. Well, you say that, it, it would be something if every year the flu season, it, we just knocked it out quick because of uh, our social distancing and things we've learned about this uh, uh, through this pandemic. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Dan, thank you for being on Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. And one more time, what's your website for listeners to go check check out what you have to say? Yes, my website is drdanmd.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at drdanmd1. All right. Thank you. Thank you, and always happy to be on the show. And that was Dr. Dan, and I'm glad he helped me better understand what's going on. I hope that helped you and tell your friends and neighbors to listen to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics, get caught up on things like the COVID-19 virus. So tell your friends and neighbors about the show, and also remind them that we are getting diving into the politics along with keeping you up with the COVID-19. Another thing we do, we got a book. I say we because uh, I wrote a book along with Dr. Alveda King. That's the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And also a good friend of President Trump. And we also had Dr. Alex McFarland join us. 
and together we wrote a book called Bedrock Truths. And you can go to the front page of uh, our website right here on Web Talk Radio of our show, and it'll have a picture of the book. You click on that, and it'll get you to docholiday.org. And if you want to go there, it's www.docholiday. That's holiday of two L's, H-O-L-O-I-D-A-Y dot O-R-G. And we got other books there you can look at. And we'd be glad you purchase those, and uh, we'll get those out to you. And now we have face masks, cloth hand-sewn face masks. So if you would like a face mask, and it looks like it's going to be the best thing to have face mask here in the next few weeks. I think we're all, when we get outside the house, it'll be important to be wearing face masks. So that's what we've been told by the CDC, and if you don't have a face mask and you need one that uh, you can wash and drip dry and uh, might need a couple of them. So just go on our website, and you'll see a little uh, on the headline up there. It says face mask. Click on that, and uh, you can see how you can order your face mask right here from DocHoliday.org. We are so glad to have everyone here. we got new listeners. I'm glad. Uh, once I've said, I'll say it again, that we want you to email us, tell us what you think about the show, things you'd like to hear on the show. I cannot respond to all of them, but I love to read them. So please, if you want to email us, uh, go right to the front page there and have a way to contact us. Now, the second half of the show, we have got to get it roaring here, rip-roaring, because this this uh, this whole coronavirus has been a generational tragedy a catastrophe on the economy that what president trump likes to say was the best economy in the history of the world and now it's breaking down it's breaking down will it break completely it's it's like a machine that's shaking and it needs some energy it needs to run on all cylinders and it's uh, got sand in it and it's it's is it going to keep working can we get it going again or is it going to fall apart and fall down like dominoes across the economy? Well, some people want to take this as an opportunity. And let me just play this little clip from uh, Sean Hannity's show. And he, he lets you hear what AOC, uh, one of our favorite congresswomen of, uh, from New York, when I say favorite, she puts out a lot of things for people here. But I hope she's never in power because, well, just take a listen. We're in the middle of an emergency, trying to save lives here, guys. Uh, no more planes, no more combustion engine, uh, no more cows, no more oil and gas. Windmills, regulation, socialism, and a destruction of the American free market economy. And a since-deleted tweet, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez was celebrating the crash of oil prices, writing, you absolutely love to see it. This alone, with record low interest rates, means it's the right time for a worker-led mass investment in green infrastructure to save our planet. Um, Congresswoman, are you that ignorant? You don't understand millions and millions of high-paying career jobs of Americans will disappear in a second. And by the way, oil and gas are the lifeblood of the world's economy in spite of your fantasies about 10 years, 12 years from now. To that end, she's now calling for workers of the world to unite she wants them to boycott working. Another genius idea, isn't it? You can't, in the middle of a national emergency, even make this stuff up. It, it's there for the viewing. Take a look. When we talk about this idea of reopening society, 
you know, only in America does the president, when the president tweets about liberation, does he mean go back to work? When we, you know, have this discussion about going, going back or reopening, I think a lot of people should just say, no, we're not going back to that. We're not going back to working 70 hour weeks just so that we could put food on the table and not even feel any sort of semblance of security in our lives. She's not working 70 hours a week. Nancy Pelosi has everybody home, apparently with a lot of time on their hands. Democratic Party, they're expressing plans to flush capitalism, liberty, freedom, that would be in our Constitution as well. Everything else that makes this country great, right down the drain, and they're not alone. Meanwhile, Americans are dying to get back to work. Well, let Doc Holliday jump in here and, and what Hannity was talking about. Sean Hannity was saying, play that clip from AOC, and she said she wants Americans not to go back to work, to boycott work. We got work in our DNA. That's why America is the greatest country this world has ever seen because of hard work and smart work and brilliant scientists and hardworking teachers, doctors, lawyers, uh, factory workers. It's a society that has grown together to give us the best libraries, the best universities, best schools and we have grown accustomed to a level of lifestyle and culture that we have taken for granted. But it be, it's based on hard work. If we don't have that hard work, everything falls apart like dominoes. And, and I don't know what AOC is talking about. She was praising the crash of oil that will put thousands and well, what? Sean Hannity said, actually, millions of jobs will go away if we lose our oil industry. And it's, it's, uh, it's sad that AOC was welcoming this. Sad. She doesn't realize the uh, plush job that she has now. It depends on hardworking Americans paying their taxes. I mean, if there's no taxes to pay, there's no money. Where are we getting the money, the trillions of dollars? We're printing them because of the faith in the American dollar. And it's not the American dollar, it's the American people to be able to keep an economy going. It's the world. We are the world's reserve currency, and we are able to print money because the world has faith and not in the American government because the government has no money. It's the American people who work hard. And if we stop working, there will be no faith and everything will go to pot in a flash. Okay. <laughs> well, Sean Hannity had something else to say about the Green New Deal that uh, AOC and others won't. Let's take a listen to that and we'll finish up the show. You have the United Nations tweeting, quote, in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic, when economic stimulus package, packages composed of infrastructure are designed, there's a real opportunity for long-term systemic shifts with green packages. Even fake news CNN, why would they want to be left behind? From staying home to keeping a meter distance from each other, the coronavirus pandemic has drastically changed the way we live. Why not do the same for the environment? Oh, airline industries, let's kick them in the teeth while they're down. And newsbusters.org, they just reported the mob and the media across multiple outlets hoping that our lockdown leads to a major reset 
and permanent changes for climate. People are still dying. We're trying to save lives. Take a look. The world is suddenly learning what can happen if humans stop polluting the environment. Something to think about there. Many people see this as a major reset for humanity and the planet. From wildlife to the environment, I will explore the benefits of those shelter-in-place orders across the country and around the world. We do have some positive news on this Earth Day. The coronavirus has been just a terrible crisis, a health crisis, an economic crisis, and it's just turned everything upside down. But we thought you'd want to know about some surprising ways that it's actually helping our planet. This is a great moment, a moment of pause for all of us to realize that our choices do impact the environment around us. How do I say this nicely? In this profession, and it is a profession, um, we have some really dumb people. Well, anyway, that would surely destroy our way of life. Uh, that would put many Americans out of work. We're trying to get the country up and running again. Every step of the way, many on the left, mob media trying to use coronavirus as what is a cold, calculated political weapon to advance their radical agenda. Over the past several months, they have used it, of course, to bludgeon President Trump. Of course, he's a racist, a xenophobe, a fear monger, even accused him pretty much of killing Americans. Pelosi using the emergency government relief packages as a personal piggy bank for her favorite liberal causes, withholding money for hospitals and workers and small business and large business. Why? So she can get $150 million to the National Endowment for the Arts and Humanities, $25 million for the Kennedy Performing Arts Center, $75 million for PBS and National Propaganda Radio. And she attempted to change election and immigration laws on top of it. Remember, workers were waiting. They needed the help. Same with hospitals. And for the past week, she's been held up. She held up funding for small business paycheck protection, the PPP plan, to gain some kind of political leverage yet again. Ultimately, she caved and funded the program and her radical Democratic colleagues are not happy. Nancy, she took five minutes away from eating her designer ice cream. All right, let me jump back in here. If you didn't know about Sean Hannity's talk about Nancy Pelosi's designer ice cream, well, she was on some uh, some late night show and and showing how she was getting along with the virus and and opened up these big expensive freezers, twenty four thousand dollar refrigerators, and they were full of ice cream, designer type ice creams, and and here she is, what Sean Hannity said thousands and upon tens of thousands of small businesses were frantically worried about where do we get uh, some help the ppp program was ran out of money all they needed was the congress to come together and say let's add more money to it and she waited and waited and waited as more and more people lost their jobs millions of more jobs were lost and what did nancy pelosi do she showed everybody the ice cream that she was eating. We said before, basically she's saying drop dead American small business. And I hope everybody remembers that in November. Yes, she came together, we got a bill, but she did not show any urgency at all. It's a disaster that the Democrats are bringing on themselves. I hope people will remember come November what they did under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi. And Joe Biden, he was sitting on the sideline. I don't know if he knows what's going on. But, hey, we got to finish up this show, wrap it up. Tell your friends and neighbors, this is Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. We'll see you next week as this whole business of corona 
virus and uh, stalled economy and what's going on. Well, every week we'll get you updated. So take a listen next week. See you then. Thanks for joining us today. And remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You can order Ed's new book, Bedrock Truths, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen or visit DocHolliday.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.